This is a fresh agenda, bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work. Here is Christina Mendonca. This is a fresh agenda where we chat with innovators, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders. I'm Christina Mendonca. Welcome to this little spot in the digital universe. Glad to have you here for a little while. I just spent a week on the Oregon coast, pretty much hiked every day drank a fair amount of beer and wine as well. The weather was spectacular. The trails were well used. We met people from all over the world, even on the most remote trails that we hiked. If you're looking for a new vacation destination, you should check it out. We stayed in the town of Oceanside, Oregon. I feel like I'm doing a Chamber of Commerce thing, but I really do love the area. We've owned this small piece of property there for years, but you can find great deals on beach rentals there. It's very affordable. And when it's 105 here in Northern California, it averages about 75, 80 degrees there, dipping down to the 50s at night. Very good sleeping weather. All the trails very well maintained. Thank you to all the park rangers and volunteers. We took one called the Clatsop Trail near Cannon Beach that ends at this really cool World War II bunker that is moss covered. You can lower yourself inside if you wanted to, but some of the guys we ran into said there are some pretty big cave spiders in there. So I don't want to tangle with that for sure. We took another hike near Lincoln City called Cascade Head, and it climbed up to this panoramic view of the ocean that just took my breath away. I've posted a bunch of pictures on my Facebook and Instagram pages if you're interested, as well as a list of the other hikes. And something to consider if you're looking for new places to explore, the All Trails app. That was invaluable to us on this trip. We found fantastic hiking spots all over the world, and many have multiple reviews as well. Again, it's called All Trails. So hiking, relaxing, recharging, all of that was the theme of the week. We all need to stay creative and innovative in our lives and careers. And I can't tell you how many ideas and how many plans I hatched while silently stepping over roots and uphills through impossibly green forests and through breezy meadows. Try to do something this summer that's different, even for a few hours that takes you out of your routine. Really helps. Whenever I go away for a week, I do take my camera, my mic setup, and my two laptops where I can file stories for KFBK, iHeartRadio, for freelance television and digital entities. And you never know where news is going to happen, so I like to have all my stuff with me. So last week, I did this story for News Radio KFBK on the Moringa tree. It's been touted as the superfood of 2018, and you're starting to see more products containing Moringa online. Some of the claims seem pretty fantastic. The tree is from India originally and was brought to Africa. Uh, Vietnamese farmers in Fresno grow it as well. That's why I first heard about it. An article on LinkedIn about the Fresno farmers growing the Moringa led me to a local researcher doing work on Moringa right now in Africa. And I'm always skeptical when it comes to some new superfood. But nutritionally, I'm always interested as well. And I think a lot of us are interested in how we eat healthy and prolong health and prevent disease. So I reached out to a UC Davis scientist currently in Kenya doing research on Moringa and thought, okay, I'll get a soundbite or two on her research. I've interviewed a lot of scientists and I'm kind of a closet science nerd myself, love science stories, but I frankly expected the interview to be technical. Uh, maybe a little bit dry, but surprised she was a delight to talk to and so innovative in her approach to the research and the expansion of uses, not only for Moringa, but for small businesses. It could create globally the technical and engineering research it could support, the agriculture and environmental uses. She is super innovative 
and thoughtful beyond her work in the lab. So we chatted for about a half hour and I just had to share this entire interview with you. So my chat with Carrie Waterman is coming up, but first a quick word about our sponsor, New Age Aerial. It's more than a bird's eye view. New Age Aerial brings you beautiful vistas, breathtaking overviews, and an understanding of how things look from above. From movies to commercial photography and video, the drone team at New Age Aerial can get you the shots you need for a fraction of the cost of hiring a pilot and plane. These guys are experienced flyers too. Government agencies trust them during big crises. They can even send up a drone with guided monitoring from an engineer on the ground to get exactly the photos and the video needed. But they are also artists in the sky, getting those unforgettable and scenic shots that open movies and thrill at the beginning of large business presentations. We're very proud to have them as a sponsor because they are innovators in drone technology and use. You need them for a business presentation, a film, a, a real estate need, New Age Aerial. Check them out online at newageaerial.com. Enter promo code FRESHAGENDA and let them know you heard about them here. I bet New Age Ariel could get some great shots of a Moringa farm. Hmm, I may have to ask for some. Okay, here's our conversation with UC Davis researcher, Carrie Waterman. I'm talking to Carrie Waterman, who is a professional researcher with the Department of Nutrition through UC Davis, currently in Kenya. And thank you for joining us, Carrie. Tell me about some of the research you're doing on Moringa. A lot of people haven't even heard of Moringa. Um, yeah, so Moringa is a plant that's, you know, thousands of years old and has originated in India and Pakistan and was used there um, both in foods and for medicine. All the parts of the plant can be used. Um, and so I'm conducting research on a Fogarty International grant through the National Institute of Health, um, working with farmers here in Kenya to develop best practices. And we're really switching from growing Moringa trees up as big trees to growing them as intensive beds. So growing them as a vegetable where they only get about two feet high and then you can harvest and yield a lot more throughout the year. And then bringing those farmers to cooperatives and then getting it to market in Kenya and then also trying to get them organic certified for export to the U.S. and European markets where it's now being sold as a superfood for energy and additional health benefits. The other part of my research involves looking at using Moringa to treat chronic inflammation, which is a condition associated with everything from obesity, diabetes, cancer. And so the body is just kind of overreacting when it is faced with these diseases. And Moringa has been shown in animal studies and cellular assays to reduce inflammation. And so we're really using it to look at um, both inflammation directly and then also focusing on diabetes treatment. How did you become interested in Moringa specifically? I served as a U.S. Peace Corps volunteer in West Africa in a small country called the Gambia, and it was being promoted there by the World Health Organization and Peace Corps for treating malnutrition, particularly in women and nursing mothers and then also in infants uh, because of its high protein content. Moringa, as a dried powder, contains about 27% protein by dry weight, and it has all the essential amino acids. So when people are eating diets that are just high in maize, um, they're often you know, not getting all of these essential amino acids. 
So it was promoted there just for everyone to kind of have a tree in their backyard and eat the leaves fresh or dry them to a powder so that during the dry season when there weren't other vegetables available, they could sprinkle in a little moringa powder into their foods or into their porridge in the morning. I I like to think of myself as relatively nutritionally aware, and I think a lot of people, particularly in California, are. We have a very diverse population. Why is it that so many people are just hearing about Moringa? Well, I think, um, and I don't know the exact statistics, but we, you know, we only consume this tiny fraction of plants that are available on the earth. And, you know, 60 or 70 percent of our calories come from just four foods, you know, wheat, corn and and these type of major staple crops. So I think some of it is just, you know, the information is starting to filter in because because of the Internet and because of awareness and people traveling. And I think Moringa's, um, you know, the word superfood is definitely probably only used in the Western world. But I think there's many other plants that have these potent properties. But Moringa you know, I wouldn't say it's a miracle plant, but it is pretty amazing because most vegetables contain about 90 or 95% water. So the nutrients you get are really small, but Moringa is only about 80% water. So that's why the numbers of vitamin C and calcium and iron are so much higher. It's just a really dense plant and it's, you know, evolved to really pull nutrients from the soil. That being said, if Moringa is grown in places where the soil is contaminated with such things as lead or arsenic, it will also pull those. And so as a consumer, people have to be careful where they're buying Moringa and who they're buying it from and where it's being sourced from. Um, so that that's something to keep in mind with kind of this catch-22 of it being so nutritionally dense. Um, but, you know, I'm still trying to answer that question is why haven't more people heard of it and why more people aren't eating it. And I face that also in Africa where Moringa oleifera, the main one that's being sold, is native to India but was brought over over 100 years ago when um, the British were building the railroads in Kenya. And so they brought indentured servants from India to build the railroads and they likely came with some Moringa seeds in their pocket and planted them in Africa. So many people just in Africa know of it for the use of seeds, for seed oil as a potential export, but few of them know about its nutritional properties. Uh, I had traveled to central Tanzania where people were very impoverished and very malnourished. They were eating maybe if they were lucky, two meals a day, but most likely just one. And there had been Moringa trees growing, and they had only known of it as a cash crop that they could export, like sunflower seed oil. And so just going there and having conversations and saying, you can take these leaves when nothing else is growing and the land is barren and these trees are flourishing, you can take these and eat them like you would your regular collard greens, like skooma. And so, you know, part of my work is just awareness um, for people to know about it. And, you know, it's, it's easy to grow. It grows really fast. And so it has really potential. And I'd like to, you know, start to fill that void of information about this plant and other, other really good plants that can help us move forward as we face climate change and drought. And, and what are the kind of not superfoods in terms of nutrition, but super in terms of 
you know, how do we, how do we grow things when we're faced with um, climate pressures and higher salt conditions and those. How interesting that these, uh, these remote areas that you were traveling to where people are essentially starving, they had this food source available all around them, um, but just didn't know it. How, how is it eaten? You mentioned one way, like a collard green, to cook it up like that way. Is it also used in teas or can it be made into a flour? How can moringa be used? So the leaves can be eaten, um, you know, all, as I said, all parts of the plant, the flowers, the leaves, um, the roots are used as medicine, but I'm really focusing just on the leaves because of its nutritional density. So they can be eaten as fresh, like a garnish, like you would eat cilantro on top of a salad. Um, they have a kind of spicy taste like arugula. So they're a distant cousin, you could say, of the brassica family, like broccoli and cabbage and collard. So it's it's kind of like a spicy spinach and they're really tender, small leaves. However, they are fairly perishable. So if you don't eat them fresh or have a tree in your backyard, the leaves can be dried to a powder. And then from there, that powder can be really added to any food. And so there are some companies in the U.S. like Cooley Cooley that is based out of Oakland that's put, it, put the moringa powder into energy shots and energy bars and combine it with chocolate and dates. And they also sell um, it as a protein powder combined with other protein powder sources. Um, So I think it has kind of a a savory flavor. And so I'll sprinkle it on popcorn and eggs and in pasta sauces. And I just keep a little sugar dispenser basically of moringa powder and try and add it to my foods. It's not the tastiest, I would say, as a powder, but it can be, you know, disguised and blended in to things that are salty. Other people like to add it to their smoothies. Um, And so it's really kind of wide open in terms of what you would use it as this kind of nutritional booster powder. Um, And here in Africa, people often add it to their porridge or other foods. In West Africa, it is consumed a lot as a tea. And so the leaves are just dried usually not ground to a powder, just kind of flakes like oregano, and then put in a tea bag and steeped for a few minutes. There hasn't been a lot of research on how much nutrition you lose in cooking it, um, and that's something that we're definitely interested in. The, you know, the iron and, and calcium and stuff is probably fine. You do lose some vitamin C when it's cooked. And, and probably some of the phytochemicals, which is really, you know, my background is looking at the polyphenols and these other compounds called isothiocyanates, which are very similar to ones found in broccoli, known for their anti-cancer and anti-inflammatory properties. Um, so those can degrade. So fresh is probably best, just like with all other vegetables. And then it's just a matter of how long you cook it and at what temperature. A lot of people who've been reading about what they should be eating nutritionally, I mean, inflammate, uh, you know, uh, reducing inflammation is the big is the big thing people are trying to do right now. What is the ORAC value of the Moringa and how helpful is it in your research have you found? Um, I can't give you the exact value. I do have it in a paper that I've published on the ORAC value, but even the FDA has kind of moved away from using an ORAC value because most of those just correspond to anti-inflammatory effects in cells. And that usually is correlated with polyphenol rich foods like blueberries and cranberries and strawberries. Um, And so 
polyphenols, which are present in Moringa and in most plants, we don't really fully understand how they work in the body because they're not very bioavailable. So if you eat them and you measure somebody's blood levels of polyphenols, you don't really see it in the blood. That's not to say that they don't have health benefits and there's likely some interactions with the gut microbiome and reducing inflammation there, or they break down into other compounds that have beneficial effects. But so what's most interesting about Moringa is not just the polyphenols and the ORAC value, but these isothiocyanates. And so they've been well-researched from broccoli, particularly a compound called sulforaphane in broccoli. The problem with these compounds is that they're very unstable and they break down really quickly. But in Moringa, the isothiocyanate is stable at room temperature and readily available and readily absorbed. And so through our research, we've really been able to piggyback on stuff that's been done with broccoli, but we're seeing a stronger effect. And we know you can crush the Moringa leaves, release these compounds, and they'll still be stable in a leaf powder. And so we were able to patent that, and that's actually licensed to Estee Lauder for um, an anti-aging skin cream called Revitalizing Supreme Plus. And so it has anti-inflammatory effects on the skin, but also in the body. So we're really hoping and we're applying for funding for clinical studies to look at reducing inflammation and um, blood sugar levels in humans. And I've recently applied for a Bill and Melinda Gates grant to combine Moringa powder into maize flour and other products that people consume in Kenya so that they can get both the nutrition and some of these health preventative properties. How interesting that a cosmetics company was the first to, you know, try to to license uh, one of these products. What other companies are interested that we wouldn't typically think of? Um, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many. You can look, it, it could be, you know, if somebody wanted to take it and go down a pharmaceutical route and isolate the compound and purify it for, you know, a type of treatment for cancer or diabetes or any of these other conditions associated with inflammation. Um, there's also uses in agricultural products, using it as a biofertilizer. It can be used in the livestock industry for feeding it to cows for increasing their milk production, increasing lean muscle mass gaining in chickens and goats and pigs. It can also be used in other aspects of cosmetics, and then uh, pet food is an, an industry that we were looking at because a lot of dogs suffer from diabetes, and there's these new kind of gourmet foods for pets. Um, so that's a possibility as well. And then I would say looking at it, um, you know, in food companies, it's just hard because foods, it's hard to make money and patent them. And, um, you know, these compounds are made by nature. So you can't, comp- you can't patent the actual compound, but you can patent the process to convert those compounds within the powder. And so that's what we, that's what we patented. And we're definitely looking at other food companies um, to see if it's worth their investment. But Moringa powder alone, without even this conversion of these compounds, is still, you know, nutritionally dense. And so it'd be neat to see it in, in more products, in pastas and condiments and juices, um, you know, just to name a few. Fascinating. So uh, does it grow pretty much anywhere? And like, if, I mean, if you live in Rancho Cordova, could you grow a Moringa in your backyard? 
Yes, you could. It just can't undergo a frost. So it grows really well in the tropics and subtropical regions around the entire globe. It just can't really go, it doesn't like to go below 40 degrees Fahrenheit and definitely doesn't like to go below freezing. So the farmers in Fresno, what they do is they grow it during the summer when it's nice and hot and the moringa's happy, and then they cut it back and cover it in hoop houses over the winter, and then most of them grow back in the next season. So you can grow it in a pot in Rancho Cordova and then bring that pot inside during the kind of the colder months. Okay. And then if you, if you're growing it, I mean, could you have it like a, like many people have aloe in their backyard, just go ahead and and break off a piece at one time, or does it all need to be harvested at a certain time and cut back? Um, How do, how would we use it in our day-to-day lives? You could use it just like an herb. So if you had a nice little herb garden in a pot, you would clip a couple pieces and throw it on top as a garnish on your meal. You don't have to harvest it all at one time. And that, that's how I like having it is just where you can take a few leaves and add it into your omelet or, you know, whatnot. It doesn't have to be harvested all at the same time at all. And in fact, you can cut off all of the leaves. And even if the leaves fall off in the winter, in the spring, they will come back up. So sometimes people will think the plant is dead, but it's just kind of hibernating. Sometimes it's called the never die plant because even if it loses its leaves, it will still survive. Well, I kill pretty much everything. So I like the idea of a never die plant. That sounds good to me. So what can you go down to the Home Depot and find these? Do you need to order them online? How do you get your hands on one? I don't think Home Depot has any, but that's a good good place for me to go and see if they'd be willing to start selling them. You can certainly order Moringa seeds online. You can also order Moringa seedlings online and have them delivered. But the seeds, <clears throat> the seeds have a high germination rate. So I would say, yeah, MoringaFarms.com is one place in Southern California that sells Moringa seeds. And then there are numerous companies that will sell them from India. Okay. And can you tell me what is most exciting about your research right now? And you've been involved with this plant for years now and and doing all of this research. You're currently on your grant. What what is exciting you most about the success you're seeing in either disease treatment or um, health effects? So in terms of disease treatment, we just uh, completed a study at UC Davis in in a rat model for type 2 diabetes. So it mimics human diabetes much more closely than previous studies we've done in mice. And it delayed the onset of diabetes in these rats. And and the professor, Peter Havel at UC Davis, who developed the model, says that a couple months of delay in these rats probably correlates to, you know, five to 10 years of a delay in humans. And so he's really excited about these results because he's tested other food products and stuff. And, um, and, you know, we saw lower fasting insulin levels and plasma glucose levels. So we're really excited about that. And then we're using that information, as I said, to apply for clinical studies. Uh, outside of the health benefits, I would say, you know, what I'm most excited about is that we also recently did an economic analysis here in Kenya with the farmers And so it's easy to promote a plant for its nutritional value and that everyone should be eating this. But if it's not economically feasible to grow, it doesn't carry as much weight. And through this economic analysis study, we showed that farmers could make anywhere between three and eight times as much money um, as they could doing a job 
in their area, such as driving a motorcycle taxi or growing other crops. And so that's actually where I'm, I'm really excited about moving forward in is, is showing the economic viability of this and the climate adaptability and so that we can, we can harness more funding. There, there's been a lot of research in Southeast Asia on Moringa and parts of West Africa, but there hasn't been large R01 grant funding for this crop in the U.S. And, and I think that um, because it can be grown in the U.S., particularly in Florida and Texas and California and Hawaii, that, um, you know, it has a real potential to help address these growing chronic conditions like obesity and diabetes. I ask all of my guests this, uh, how do you, in your work, stay creative? I mean, you're doing this research, you are um, encountering problems that that need to be solved or perhaps can be solved through your research. How do you maintain your creativity in in coming up with these ideas on how you can help uh, solve some of these big issues? I think um, just constantly expanding my network and my outreach and talking to more people, sometimes in fields that would seem unrelated. Uh, I recently completed a, some business courses at UC Davis, and they, they talked about innovation being in the network. And, and so you just never know kind of who you meet or what they might be developing. And I'd say that, um, you know, I meet, I meet people from NGOs like USAID and the UN and World Health Organization to rural farmers that are coming up with new ways to build dryers and are looking at, you know, now I'm contacting engineers at Colorado State to say, how do we do mobile cold storage devices that are solar powered? And how do we hook up fans that circulate air through these dryers and keep the cost down? And so um, it's exciting, but it's also challenging because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm spreading myself in, in a lot of different directions. But there's often excitement in these different areas. And UC Davis is a great place to be centered because there's, um, you know, so much work on agriculture and nutrition sensitive agriculture. So I work with people in the engineering department that are looking at using Moringa seeds for water purification, people in the plant biology department that are looking at is Moringa fixing atmospheric nitrogen? Does it have endophytic bacteria that are harnessing the nitrogen in the air and then converting that to something. So could Moringa crops be grown with other crops to help fertilize them and reduce the use of fertilizers? Um, So it's just, it's really exciting even outside of just nutrition and health. Uh, I work with, I met, I was up visiting Moringa farms and they said, let's stop by this dairy farmer. So I'm talking to the guy about his cows and milk production. And he said, you know, I'd love to have some Moringa to see if it can help um, increase the milk production, which has also been reported in some publications. And so it's just, um, I think I have a lot of freedom and, you know, gain a lot of exposure to talking to different people. And um, the UC Davis Global Affairs Department has funded me on a few grants. So I've I've gone to Mauritius to visit this African Leadership University where they're kind of grooming young Africans to be the next leader for the continent and just discussing Moringa with, um, you know, 19-year-old African students from all over the continent saying, we know Moringa, we've had it in our tea, you know, how do we bring it to market? How do we also get investment? How do we build small businesses? And and so all those conversations, and I think just constantly expanding the network helps me stay creative. 
Wow, you are into a lot. And it's so interesting that, uh, you know, all of this has come through this one, uh, this one plant, and you're interested in it, and your and your life's work is taking it not only to solve global problems, but solve problems locally, uh, as well. So uh, thank Carrie Waterman, mm-hmm. thank you so much for your time. Uh, we pr- appreciate you being with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We hope you enjoyed our conversation with UC Davis researcher Carrie Waterman. We really appreciate her calling in from Kenya to talk to us about all of her research on the Moringa and all of the other ancillary businesses that it's leading to and innovations it's leading to. And um, we know we're going to continue to watch that research because diabetes is, of course, a disease that affects um, hundreds of thousands of people in our country. So we'd love to see some relief for those folks uh, with something natural like the Moringa. So we'll continue to watch that. I leave you today with a great book recommendation, especially if you're looking for a little inspiration or motivation. But first, let me tell you about our sponsor, New Age Designs. These guys are great. Web design development with a purpose, ambition, analytics. If you need digital marketing, you need design, SEO, SEM, Google Analytics setup. They can do that for you. They will get you all set up with web hosting and they know all the key technologies. New Age Design staff has spent decades managing various UX and web marketing projects for large corporations, giving them the opportunity to work with the most talented digital agencies in the world. They certainly can help you. Check them out at newagedesigns.com. When you reach out, let them know you heard about them here. Fresh Agenda. Use that code. They will take great care of you. All right. Let me tell you about this book I'm reading now. It's called The 1% Rule by Tommy Baker, and it's great for people at any point in their careers. As the title suggests, it urges you to move 1% forward in your life and career goals every day, just 1%, one tiny step. It also urges you to split your year into four quarters as you consider your life and career. And I just love this. So it says the winter season is the time for taking inventory, reflecting, regenerating, and rest, and considering a new path. The spring is about renewal, creation, producing, relentless action and execution. And summer is all about growth and expansion at the highest level possible, where momentum and consistency kick in. And that's where you should be right now. That's where I am right now. Fall is where you reap the rewards of all of that hard work, celebrate and express gratitude. The 1% Rule by Tommy Baker. That's my book recommendation. And you can reach out on any of my social platforms. Instead of rattling off my usernames, just go to my website, christinamendonza.com. You'll find all of my social links there, a place to contact me, and I'd love to hear from you. I'm seeing the stats on these podcasts and realize that people all over the country and in other countries are listening. So again, I'd love to hear from you. So thanks for spending some time with me on A Fresh Agenda. Let's stay connected. This is A Fresh Agenda. Bringing your productivity and creativity together to generate your deepest work.